Hey, it's Greg Brady. Thanks for checking out this segment from Toronto Today uh, from Wednesday, August the 3rd. Sarah Allen's an assistant professor at University of Toronto and the director of operations of the North American Observatory on Health Systems and Policy. So you know where we're going, what's working with our system and what is it, what needs to be fixed and what can remain status quo. We get into a lot of those questions with Sarah. We've all had conversations of our own away from the radio, away from hospitals, about what we need to do with healthcare in our province. And some people are a lot more willing than others to have these important conversations, to be a bit bold and look at solutions for the future that aren't just rolling along and throwing money at things that are obviously broken already. So this conversation between Sarah Allen and myself, of course, you can hear all of Toronto today between 5.30 and 9 Eastern time at 640toronto.com or on the Radio Player Canada app. You're somebody that's not coming to this late. You've been looking at our healthcare system since the early part of this century, and uh, and you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot over 20-plus years, especially the last three. That's right, Greg. It's it's great to be here to talk about the health system, which, as you say, I've been studying for a couple decades and living and, and using it as well as, as you have and your experiences really resonate. But I'm really delighted to have a chance to talk about you know, how we might uh, see through, see some of the forests through the trees and figure out what's what can be improved. I want to get to your research and some of your solutions. When I have these conversations, some people are really curious and they say, hey, you know, you, you lived in the United States. What was it like? I said, here's what's bad. If you don't have a job and you don't have benefits, it's bad news. The, the bottom, there's no, there's no safety net to catch you. That said, if you do have a job and you do have benefits, your service is remarkable. It's impeccable. You can get everything done faster and you can get healthier uh, quicker, which is the key. How do you view the difference between the two countries and their systems? It's a great question. And we do often look to the United States because it's our you know, closest neighbor. We frequent it a lot. We have family, we visit, we we take holidays there. And so it makes sense to compare ourselves. And in many ways, we are similar, like the, you know, health professionals, professionals are trained in the same way, they often go back and forth, do fellowships there, you know, the the way we practice care and medicine is very similar. And, you know, the the way we've sort of set up our systems started off on the really on the same path. And then Canada took a bit of a, a different tack back in the sort of 1960s and the U.S. decided to really stick with that safety net program mm-hmm. covering only people who were the poorest of the poor and older people and a few people with some some conditions. And Canada decided to go in a universal approach, like most of the uh, European countries. And so we often, you know, we, we've taken this different approach. But when we look at what's covered in the universal system, so that in itself is a, you know, was a big divergence, a really big difference where we've tried to capture everyone in this in the system as opposed to just those falling within certain buckets. And, you know, like many of our European counterparts, this was a, you know, a, a decision based on equity, but also on efficiency. It's, you know, a, a more efficient and easier to run system. However, Canada is really different from its European counterparts. So it actually looks a lot more like the US when it comes to services outside of our very narrowly defined universal health coverage system. So when it comes to pharmaceuticals, mental health care, vision care, physio, all the rehab you need after surgeries that's going to mm-hmm. be you know long term and all the supports you need to make sure you can age at home and live at home instead of moving into a long-term care facility. Those are not covered. They're not covered universally. universally. 
And they're really only available to those who can afford to pay. And that's similar to the US. You get a bill when you need to pay for your drugs or when you want to visit a therapist. That's right. And if you don't have the benefits from your employer, you're not going to be able to access the care across the full continuum. And so I think that's one of the major reasons why we're in a really crisis situation. Much of the world is in a crisis. We've been living in a pandemic for you know for almost three years. And so this is not surprising, but some of these long-standing issues that we've known and we've been studying for a long time that really cause a huge issue when we're trying to access the care we need to stay healthy. Sarah Allen is our guest, kind of to join us, an associate professor of health policy at the Dallalana School of Public Health. There's a lot of people that are my age that don't want to retire, probably not a retirement age for 20, 25 years, but they watch and fear for their parents. They fear for those older than us. And they've said what I've said, Sarah, is I'm not sure I want to age out in Ontario. You must hear that from people right now. And, and nobody wants to you know, be a fear monger or exaggerate about it. But it's scary to, to see what some of our, our, our fathers, our mothers, our uncles and aunts, our grandparents are going through and have gone through. I agree. I think it's been really tragic what we've seen, especially in long-term care homes and other congregate settings during the pandemic. It's, you know, they've been so hard hit. The workers are, you know, extremely, um, you know, really struggling. There's huge, huge vacancy and, and uh, you know, staff shortages and the, the quality is just not there. And so one of the issues that we've been trying to deal with for a long time in Canada is to really shift out of the sort of institutional focus. So we need to support people where they want to live. So if people want to stay at home and live at home and retire and enjoy their retirement years at home, they need supports to do that. Eventually, we all get some kind of, you know, many conditions and, and hopefully we can manage them really well, but we need support. So often we get supports from our spouses and our, our family members and friends and neighbors, and they don't have the supports to continue to do that and they have to take time away from work. And so we can better support those informal carers, but we can also improve the home care supports that we get. So we've used to, we used to have in Ontario this sort of maximum number of hours you can get from publicly funded home care, which basically says that if you can't afford to top up that care and get the supports you need in, home, in your home, you're forced out into an institution if you can't afford to, mm. to pay. And that was really stark and a really, really unique, actually, internationally. Not many countries chose to put like a limit on the number of hours you get. And now we, we might not have a limit, but we just have serious capacity constraints. And so, you know, one of the issues we see is that in Ontario, we're implementing Ontario Health Teams. This is meant to be a new way to sort of be more flexible in providing the care that people need in the community. Uh, but we're midway through this implementation and, you know, the pandemic really threw things off course. So hopefully that will help. But we really do need to provide the supports where people are and make sure that they have really desirable places to grow old. So the, you know, if moving into a congregate setting should be a desirable and you know, it should be a choice yeah. people make and not something they're forced to do. I got about two and a half minutes left, so I want you to be able to stretch out as long as you can. I sure don't want this to be the last conversation we have about this. When I say we need to consider um, a, a two-tier system, when I say we may need to consider something like reform that they have in Europe for some feasible alternatives to what is universally socialized medicine, is that is that something you agree with? 
I think there's a lot to learn from Europe. I think that we have a two-tier system, as I mentioned, you know, people have to pay for a lot. People have to, you know, in home care, in the supports in the community that I mentioned that, you know, mental health, we are paying for these things. And if you can't afford to pay, you can't access that care and you cannot get the care you need. Um, and you're forced to go to ERs. And this is one of the reasons why we have a crisis in the emergency rooms is because people do not have the means to, uh, you know, get the support they need. So moving more into a two-tier model, I think would be a mistake because then we'd be continuing to sort of separate out the, the haves and the has-nots, those who can afford to get the care they need really quickly and in a you know, really comfortable environment versus those who are not. And, and you know, I think there's really real challenges to that, uh, that European countries deal with through heavy regulation, really strict rules. There's a lot of payroll. There's providers. a lot of payroll tax, yeah. isn't there? I know Germany, there's a there's almost a sharing of the cost with your employer and employee, but you kind of pay into a sickness fund. The more you go, the more your fund gets drained out, like almost anything else would be. Yeah, and Germany is a great example that has the most extensive benefits package. Like all the things that I mentioned that aren't covered in Canada are covered through the sickness funds in Germany. Mm-hmm. So you can get like spa treatments that can improve your your well being. You can get all the medications and even dental care. And so those are the types of things that if we want to pay more, you do get more. But it's for everyone who's paying in, and those who can't afford to the government provides uh, the supports for you so that you can have the coverage. So. I think, you know, we need to consider what it is that we need to stay healthy and to make sure people all have access to those. And that where we can improve efficiency, like we need to make sure our wait lists are better managed. We need to make yeah. sure everyone has access to family care, you know, primary care teams, because this is what provides high quality care to allow you to sort of navigate through the complex system. And not everyone has a regular place of care. They're forced to go to the ER, of course, to go to walk-in clinics, yeah. and that's unacceptable. Hey, Sarah, great insight today. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, and and giving this to our listeners, and, and I hope we can do it again. It was great to be here. Thanks. Awesome. Sarah Allen's assistant professor with the Institute of Health Policy and Evaluation at the University of Toronto.